Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, where every week we talk about how technology is transforming the creative industries. Today on the program, can nothing convert Apple users to Android? This week, we conduct a brand study of Nothing, the newly launched tech brand founded by the Swedish-Chinese super entrepreneur Carl Pei and the creative juggernaut Jesper Kautuft. The brand has an outspoken mission to convert Apple users to Android. Can they succeed? We talk about the strength of Apple's walled garden. What does the design sensibilities of Jesper Kautoft and his company Teenage Engineering mean for the brand? We talk about the Swedish creative powerhouse that was portrayed in Scandinavian Mind issue three. We look at the brand's recent launch during London Fashion Week, and we have actually used the product. So we give a first-hand review of Nothing's Phone One. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with Roland Philipp Kretschmar, Editor-at-Large, and our junior editor, Erik Sedin. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hey. What's up? Super excited. Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback, uh, meaning three people have said they listened to the episode and liked it since <laughs> last week. <laughs> wow, that's three more than usual. <laughs> uh, no, really. We have a few hundred listeners, so I mean, they're out there. They're out there. But it's not often we, you, know, you meet people that really you know, give thumbs up. So maybe we, we're th- on to something with the new format. I don't think you should out how many or how few listeners we have, really. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're all about transparency here at Scandinavian Mind. So talking about radical transparency, uh, what was the feedback? Uh, positive feedback. We also got some feedback regarding the topic TikTok. I thought we could talk about that at the at the end of this episode uh, when we um, uh, do a little fo- do a little follow up uh, on that. Ooh, cliffhanger! Yeah, but let's go into to this week's topics. I think this. Is a fascinating uh, thing that's happening. It's not always there's a new, global, well-funded uh, tech brand that comes on the market that has these strong uh, Nordic and Swedish roots. Um, it's also a brand. We're talking about nothing here. A new uh, uh, tech brand, uh, consumer electronics brand. Uh, so far, they're doing uh, headphones, and uh, they're launched a new phone. There's a few new products on the way. Um, this is a company that has a strong creative um, angle to it. I feel like they they take design very seriously, uh, and as I said, it, it's it's they're based in London, but they have a strong Swedish uh, connection. Uh, so I thought just just to start with, guys, what's your overall what's your sense of this new brand that has come out? What's your just just your overall uh, impressions of it so far? It's interesting because. If I if I have if I have to put my, put it shortly, um, it's an Android phone that kind of caught my attention. <laughs> Being an Apple fanboy that I am, uh, it actually like made me interested as a tech writer to look into it, and also as a person, uh, you know, mm. writing in the group chats like, "Hey, this one looks cool," and also how it looks, like the design. That's probably what got to me, you know. And it's Teenage Engineering, which we love and can even mind. We're well aware of them. Uh, we talked with their co-founder and CEO. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. It reached out to me. That says a lot. Being an Apple mm. fanboy. Mm. Roland, what's what's your take on this? Uh, just uh, going into it. Uh, I love the design language. Um, both the the head the headphones, the in ear headphones, and um, and the phone. I like the concept, the simplicity of it. Mm. It feels uh, fresh, relevant, contemporary, mm. and uh, it it um, makes me a bit pissed that I can't buy it. 
because <laughs> I've spent uh, too much money on the Apple ecosystem. So there's like lit. I mean, there's like zero incentive for me to to move over to Android. <laughs> okay, okay. So you can you kind of you're answering the the, the topic of the episode uh, right off the bat, <laughs> which is we were gonna get into that, and that's a huge issue here. I, I have the same sense. I I really love the design. Uh, when we got the product to the office, I handed it over to, to Eric, but I held it in my hand. It looks really cool. It's the first time I felt like a tech product that really, you know, I see, you know, got my engine engines running. Uh, I haven't been, you know, I've been an Apple user for, for the past decade or so. Uh, I haven't been excited about a new phone in forever because to me, they're like just another iteration of, you know, the last generation. But this felt fresh. This felt new. This felt e- yeah. exciting. So, and I think it, it's, this is the outspoken uh, mission that Colpay, uh, a Chinese-born but a, a Swedish uh, entrepreneur who previously founded and sold uh, the Android uh, phone brand OnePlus. Uh, so I mean, what he how wants, much did he sell it for? Do you know? So I haven't found any numbers on the selling price. I know the turnover was around um, thirty million dollars or something like that at the point. It's a small when, company. It's pretty small, but I'm sure uh, it was. <laughs> it, I'm sure there was a hefty selling price. You know, it depends on what what uh, perspective you have. It's small compared to Apple and Microsoft. No, and but so it's forth. just interesting that uh, some companies get a lot of press attention. You know, the greater mm. PR. Mm. Uh, and uh, I had an impression that they were uh, a much bigger company. I mean, uh, it, it, that's a, like a tiny, tiny, tiny company in terms of uh, turnover in, in yeah, this for space. Sure. For, yeah. for sure. But interesting. Okay. Definitely interesting. And I think Carl Pei was early 20s when he started that company. So, I mean, it's a fascinating uh, entrepreneur. And it should also be mentioned when he started now... Uh, um, and nothing, he has a strong set of investors, among them the Swedish VC firm EQT Ventures mm-hmm. and uh, Tony Fadell, which is uh, thought of as kind of the, the father of the iPod and has worked quite closely with Apple in developing the iPhone. So mm-hmm. that's also interesting uh, to start with. And to my understanding, Teenage Engineering also has equity in the company. Exactly, so it seems to be a long-term partnership. Yeah, De- definitely, and this was you know caught our attention. Of course, uh, uh, Jesper talked about this in his interview with us that we published uh, earlier this year. Um, so they seem to have a very sort of creative. If you work with Jesper, and, and what we know about Jesper is he's a very free-spirited, creative mind. Uh, he likes to have pretty. Uh, uh, big walls between the commercial arm and the creative arm of his company. Uh, he has created the Teenage Engineering, the, the synthesizer brand, which has been used by you know Kanye and Virgil Abloh and all the big ones. Uh, he's all about creating cool products. So for a tech brand that wants to sell Android phones, it's a quite uh, interesting choice of designer. But it's, it's, it's my understanding that uh, Jesper is a shareholder. Uh, Teenage Engineering was part of developing uh, some of the first products but nothing actually has their own uh, design um, department in London working on, on the new product. So it's it's a bit unclear to me ex- to the extent of which Jesper is involved you know, on a day-to-day basis. I think his heart and, uh, and sort of schedule is, is you know, heavily rooted in teenage engineering. Can you maybe for the sake of the listeners that might not know Jesper, like, I mean, you, you gave a bit of a background, but can you expand a bit on Jesper? As good idea. So Jesper was one of the original founders of Acne, and Acne back in the late '90s, uh, you know, it became it was both a advertising agency 
and you know eventually turned into the fashion brand that we now know as Acne Studios, started as Acne Jeans. So I think in the definitely in the Nordic or the Swedish sort of creative community, Jesper is uh, somewhat of a legend. Um, kind of went his own way, started his uh, own advertising agency after parting ways with with Acne, uh, done some of the most iconic um, ad campaigns in Sweden. Uh, for some reason, even though he says, you know, I, I view him as a highly creative person, he seems to have really strong commercial sensibilities. He made a lot of money. I think he collects, is it Lamborghinis or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when we, we portrayed him, he, um, we was able to photograph him uh, in his family home. He has a townhouse in, uh, Gam- in the old town of, of, of Sweden. There's not a lot, a lot of people have of that type of, of home in central Stockholm. So that says something about who he is. Very interesting uh, a character. I think uh, he might be the closest we get to Virgil in Sweden. And of course, Virgil and Kanye has you know been to Sweden many times to hang out with him, um, uh, you know, try out his products. All of a sudden on his Instagram, you could you know see that he has like Kanye in his living room, like testing a new you know prototype of a synthesizer or something. Um, so which I mean, actually he was accused of stealing uh, the proper the, the tech properties of Teenage Engineering when he built Stamplayer. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we promised ourselves <laughs> not to talk about Kanye in this episode. <laughs> you can't avoid it. Um, but for whoever hasn't read that interview, is one of the best interviews in in the issue three. Uh, wonderful interview, very open-hearted. He talks about his creative process. He seems like a kind of a reclusive guy in that sense. He really wants to be uh, in his uh, studio, just developing new stuff. Um, so, but you know, definitely interesting, and and you know, holding. Uh, the nothing product, the the phone, and seeing the the transparent backside and how it sounds and how it uh, sort of flickers in the lights, it's it's got a really odd sensibility to it that really resonates towards the the um, the products that Teenage Engineering puts out as well. There's nothing sort of ordinary about the Teenage Engineering products. They all look kind of uh, techy in a futuristic, weird way. They don't follow any any. Mm. Uh, of the traditional design guidelines. So before we get into talk about the product and the details of it, let's get into this issue of Apple uh, versus Android. Uh, and you know, in we can be transparent. That in talking about this prior to the episode, you know, you Roland were like, "Can we even have this question as a headline? It's a non-issue. Uh, <laughs> no Apple users will ever convert to Android because of what you just mentioned." But let's let's discuss that a little bit because I, I think it's it's fascinating and just to give uh, a few numbers uh, globally you know android is much much bigger than apple um uh, so i think the r- ratio is about uh, 70 30 so 30 percent to apple uh, and and um 70 to android in the nordics it's different and definitely in the industries that we are talking about i think this is why i think it's interesting to talk about this and sort of dive into it because in the creative industries in the tech industries, in the fashion industries. I mean, I never meet anyone, almost never meet anyone who has an Android uh, uh, phone. And we can look just, you know, taking some metric here, um, uh, you know, for our newsletter following, we have about 5,000 followers of our newsletter. When we go in to see the statistics of how, uh, of, how of, uh, the, the sort of email opens, 
that ratio is completely flipped to the global uh, global one. So Apple is around is over uh, high 70s, uh, 75, 77, something like that. And the rest is Android. Mm. But let's go. So let's just ask the question straight out and we can answer it in this episode. Do you think, uh, you know, a, a company like Nothing or any other Android company can convert Apple users to the other side? No. Straight up, no. <laughs> That's the simple. <laughs> I mean, maybe a few exceptions like uh, unless you are, let's say, a new younger user, you know, like a young consumer mm. kind of stepping into the ecosystems, right? Mm. So, you, uh, I mean, I'm too old. I've, I've, I've done, uh, you know, I've been in the Apple ecosystem for too long. I've spent mm. too much money, to be honest. That's the problem. Um, I mean, I, I literally have 300 films in iTunes I paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I could go on of how much money I've spent. Um, it doesn't make any sense for me. It's too complicated. I'm lazy, right? But if mm. you're maybe... 16 and you're stepping into this um, then that could be an opportunity however i don't think that's the 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 target audience that uh, nothing is is aiming at yeah well my, don't my say that i mean <clears throat> yeah. i think they've, they've done a few activities and, and namely we can talk about what they did at london fashion week but i do think they're kind of aiming uh, in the in the lower uh, uh, generations here. I think there's an opportunity there but yeah i think price and, and that's a, maybe I, I i should take back and my comment about uh, target audience. I mean, just looking at the price point is around uh, 500 euros, 5,000 CX. Yeah. Mm. It's a cheap phone. Mm. I mean, if you look at what you get, the tech specs and the design, and this is also why I have this kind of uh, craving for it, because it's like, <laughs> ah, it's only 5,000. <laughs> Maybe I should buy it just for experimenting. <laughs> but, you know. No, yeah. I, I want to add to that, speaking about how you're really into the uh, the system. And if you want to buy this phone, you have to be kind of a clear page. <laughs> you, you can't really own any Apple stuff before. I kind of want to be, I'm, I'm on your side to start with. I think I'm a bit too deep in uh, to the Apple ecosystem. But still, uh, if I want to be some kind of devil advocate here, I use a lot of non-Apple uh, ecosystem stuff on my Apple's uh, devices. Right. I have Google Chrome downloaded to my iPhone instead of the Safari one. I have Chrome on my laptop, on my MacBook. Yeah. <clears throat> I have the Gmail app downloaded from the Apple Store to of my course. phone. I use Gmail on my uh, on my laptop. I use all the Google stuff, uh, like Google um, d- documents and spreadsheet and everything. When I make a presentation, I use the Google Slides. I have Google Drive. I have Google Photos. So in many ways, I use all on a daily basis. I use a lot of like non-Apple specific apps mm. and services every day that I have to download as a third-party app to the to the Apple devices. So in many the ways, if they, run yeah, even, if they run even smoother on the nothing, for example, you know, uh, that could be something that could make me want to look that way, you know? I, I think you're onto something. And it's, really, it's interesting to see how Google has sort of creeped into my digital life the past few years. Uh, you know, mm. I... I've tried uh, several Android phones over the years. I've tried many of the Samsung ones. And, you know, f- several of those products are like just awesome products. You get really excited when you hold them. And uh, when, when Samsung came out with the flip phones, where you flip it up and you have this, you know, almost, uh, you know, tablet-like uh, space, I really enjoyed uh, trying that. But in, in trying it, uh, which you can do as a journalist, they let you borrow the phone and, uh, uh, and so forth, um, I came. I installed all the apps, 
I installed my own Google ecosystem. I installed, you know, everything I could install. And, and there's a, quite a lot of, you know, my Conrad Olson sort of digital world that pops up on an Android phone if I just, you know, type in my information. But what it doesn't do and what, you know, kept me from, uh, you know, unplugging my SIM card from my Apple phone and plugging it into Android. And this, I think this, you know, what you're talking about, Roland, is about what you've invested in, in, in money, but it's also about what you invested in, um, you know, I, I think I have a couple of, you know, three, 4,000 notes in my um, notes app in Apple, and that's connected to my iCloud mm. account. Mm. Um, I have all the passwords to, you know, every, every place on the internet that I log into is connected to my iCloud uh, password system. So, uh, there's, there's, and uh, you know, I have find my iPhone. I can look where my daughter is. Um, find you find my friends uh, f- functionality uh, of my iPhone that's connected to my iPhone. So there's a lot of you know seemingly kind of small things that you've you know uh, uh, installed during during the years that's connected to the iPhone ecosystem, which is really s- smart of them, I guess. And uh, this is really a thought out strategy, I think, and that's why they build these ecosystems that you you want to you want to lock people up. And you uh, for can't life, really. forget the biggest one, the million-dollar one, and that's the iMessage. It's the green bubble uh, dilemma. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's what people say. When they're on Tinder, uh, they match with someone, they're like, oh, send me your number, and it's a green text. They block them. Like, you don't want to be that Android guy. <laughs> Everyone knows this. So I think Apple have, they can very easily implement their iMessage stuff to Android. And I think yeah. that's, like, the real big thing. I think that's when people will be like, oh, I have to pay for text messages? Is this, like, 2009? What's this? It's a green mm. text bubble. What's going on here? And Apple can, I, if they want to. They're gatekeeping. Yeah. You know, they want to have Then the there's another part. element, which I think has been the key element, especially in our community that we, we cover also at Scandinavian Mind, the creative community. It's a, it's a question of identity. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. it. Of course. It's exactly. stupid. It's status. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid uh, if you look at it objectively, but that's <laughs> it, right? It's about... Design aesthetics, identity, uh, the job's legacy, history of the brand, um, where you kind of, you accept that you're locked in into the ecosystem. You know it's, it's, it's shitty and that you, you, you know, you, you're, you're locked in for life and that you're spending way too much money. But it's, mm. it's kind of you accept it because the products just are amazing. Uh, I mean, they, you, you almost never have any technical issues with hardware or software. I mean, uh, just look at, you know, colleagues at work. It's, it's, it's a divider. Like we have the Apple users at work and then you have the PC users at work. I mean, mm-hmm. in my company as well. Right. And yeah. we always make jokes about each other and it's kind <laughs> of, Oh, you're rebooting your PC again. Haha. <laughs> How many times have you done that today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, so it, it, it's so much a question of identity and that is the point of nothing. When I did my research for this episode, I kind of looked at identity. It's one of the key things they're trying to build here. It's a di- it's differentiator a... for sure. That's that's yeah. how they mm-hmm. want to differenti- differentiate themselves, and they're using kind of uh, you know some some key things out of Apple's playbook there because yes. you know identity is one part, status is another. Yes. To be you know you want to be top of the food chain, lifestyle industries, fashion, design, so forth. You know tech, e startup people. They want to be seen as uh, early adopters, as as kind of top of the food chain. Um, 
Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk now. There's a buzz, buzz around Apple going into search, for instance, and, and doing an ads business to compete with Google. And what many people say is that we will be successful, not because they have the most searches or the most, uh, you know, eyeballs on it, but that the eyeballs that they do have is kind of a premium crowd. It's the equivalent of, of advertising in, you know, uh, top uh, airline magazines or something. You know you have like a business crowd that has a lot of money, affluent crowd. Uh, if you want to sell watches or you know expensive perfumes, you want to go that route as opposed to someone buying yeah. a cheaper Android phone. So status is a big, big, big part of this, I think. Yeah, and, and, and talking about price point, so also if you, if you do some research on it, if you look at the, the flagship phones of, of uh, I mean, the flagship Android phones, they have the same price level as Apple's flagship phones, actually. Mm. Um, but they are ex- they are expensive. I mean, they, you know, you, you need to pay like uh, more than 1,000 euros, 10,000 CX for, for a, you know, a basic flagship phone today. Yeah. And if you want to, you know, have um, good performance uh, in terms of storage, etc., I mean, you're up to 15,000 CX or, or more, right? Even, I mean, up to... 20,000 that's like a laptop price right so i think that in itself is also a testimony to the huge profits that apple are doing on this mm. um, <clears throat> which i think is interesting also with nothing so they have designed a phone with flagship tech flagship design at the price point that is half or even more than half of the price of an of any other Android or Apple flagship yeah, phones. Yeah. So I think that is interesting in itself. But for for uh, nothing than to reach, uh, you know, real profitability, they need to scale a lot. They need to sell more phones, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's where I'm a bit doubting that they will succeed, to be honest. Yeah, so let's that's... let's talk about their, their, how they're reaching out to perhaps younger audiences. And they did do an activity during London Fashion Week. And it's not often you see a tech brand doing this big of a push into uh, fashion. Eric, you, you've been covering this. Yeah, I wrote about this uh, when London Fashion Week happened. I think it was two, week, two weeks ago. Um, talking about, like you said, on how much they've sold. I read that uh, I think uh, two weeks ago, they first released their like selling rate. And I think in India, um, nothing has sold over 100,000 units, but they did not want to enclose how much they sold in Europe or the rest of the world, which probably says a lot, you know. Um, uh, I don't know how many people in Scandinavia has bought it, for example, but during London Fashion Week, at least, I think uh, Chet Low, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, is Right now in the UK, like one of the hardest and most hyped, uh, most acclaimed fashion brands in the UK. And they had, during London Fashion Week, they had a runway with, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but they have Chet Lowe. He His design is like, it's very, it's very distinct. It's just like spiky knitted dresses and spiky knitted mm. shirts and stuff. So it's kind of see-through and it's like spiky. So as the models walked out, they were like having like these, uh, the nothing phones, you know, with the glyph back face shining through the clothes and they also had a kind of like a lipstick formed thing like in the straps of the bags that they were wearing and people were like what's this and that was a teaser for uh, nothing's new earbuds that's coming and uh, you know how do you tease something in the tech world we've seen a lot of different ways you can tease stuff like some people just do like a three second youtube clip 
some people reach out to uh, to influencers, but this is basically reaching out to a very niche, a very design and fashion conscious audience, like who actually watches the Chetlow runway during London Fashion mm, Week. Mm. Of course, it was uh, it was uh, it was um, covered by Vogue, like not Vogue Business or something. It was just Vogue. They're like runway when um, they make runway reports. They bring it up, you know. Oh, they also had this nothing stuff. So they will definitely cut through the noise a bit, uh, which I think is interesting. And I yeah, think it's, it's, it's super interesting, but I think we should acknowledge it's very niche. Okay, so 100,000 units in India. Just to give you a context, let's guess. How many uh, Apple phones are shipped every year? Like 2021, how many Apple phones were shipped globally? Well, this, this phone has been out like uh, four no, months. No, but I'm just so. saying. Yeah, of course. Uh, 235 million. How many <laughs> Android? <insane. laughs> how many Android units were shipped? last year 1 billion wow okay so you know th- they don't exist in statistics nothing which no. is fine because they just launched right mm. yeah and 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 you know i i honestly doubt that they will make a mark i hope they will because you know i like entrepreneurs i like beautiful products i think it's it's a great uh, you know idea uh, but i think it's it's a niche product and that's fine you know i think they can reach profitability by being niche um uh, and uh, you know, I think the, the the entrepreneur will will make lots of money and the investors, and that's all good, right? But just to put it into a context of the global market, like one billion is is quite a lot more than hundred thousand or even one million mm, or or, or ten million, it's right? Like, we're we're yeah, talking like non-existing yeah. um, points on this in statistics, right? Mm. And of course, like I think if you compare. Uh, I don't know, uh, Bang Olufsen speakers or Bose speakers compared to teenage engineering uh, speakers. Yes. <laughs> you could probably look at teenage engineering being very niched and being very, for yes. the, like the design conscious kind of tech head. Maybe that's what uh, nothing is going for here. They're going for, uh, not really for uh, to battle Samsung or Apple, but I think they want to take those people from Apple and Samsung that kind of want something I think new. I mean, we are into, we, we, yeah, we are into something interesting here and we, it should be noted also, I mentioned the investors of, of uh, nothing, you know, EQT Ventures, Tony Fadell from Apple, former Apple designer, but you also have Alphabet's venture capital arm, which is, which is uh, Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe there, I mean, and Google just yesterday launched their, their new uh, uh, Pixel phones in, in the Nordics. You were there, Eric, and we can, we can talk about that later. Um, so maybe we are looking at a more sort of, you know, differentiated landscape for phones. I mean, as I mentioned in the beginning, I've been reflecting upon them. You know, I'm an, I'm an Apple user. I haven't been excited about a phone f- no. since forever. So, you know, and, you know, with billions and billions of phones shipped every year, could it be that, you know, just like fashion, we have the big players, the fast fashion art, but you also have niche fashion brands that you want to, you know, get attached to. Maybe there's an opportunity both for Android and for Apple to have other creatives coming, other brands, other types of collaborations to capture another type of, of audience. I think that's a really interesting prospect for, for the world yeah. of, of, of cell phones. No, yeah, definitely. And and I welcome it. You know, so what, whenever I bring up stati- statistics, it's not to criticize, just to, no. to reflect on, on, on realities and facts. Um, and maybe I, I'll, I'll try to make a prediction here. Let's see if I'm right. <laughs> we'll remember this. My, yes. My yeah. prediction could be that maybe uh, Google will invest in teenage engineering as well and embed it into their design studio. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, it, let's keep an eye on that. But 
we should go in and talk about the product and uh, maybe we play the little sound that happens when you open open it. Uh, Eric, you're holding it right now. You've been trying it out for, for a couple of weeks. I'd love to hear your, your take on how it is to use the, the Nothing phone. Uh, yeah, so I've been the two phone kind of guy uh, now for a couple of last weeks. I have, uh, like, <laughs> I have to be honest, I've been using my two phone uh, guy. <laughs> I got two phones like Kevin Gates. Anyways, the, the, I've been using the iPhone, uh, my iPhone uh, now, because that's my daily one. That's what I use to, in Scandinavia or in Sweden, we have something called Banki D and Swish, like you're connected to your bank and you can do digital tra- mm. uh, transactions right. and stuff. And it's quite a hassle to like move between phones and stuff. So I've been using that one, my iPhone for like paying the bills and stuff. But I've been using the um, Nothing One for uh, listening to music, watching YouTube that I do a lot in bed, watching TikTok or whatever, taking photos when I've been out and about. And all I can say is, like you said earlier, Roland, it's more than half or at least half the price of the iPhone I used the other day. So it's significantly cheaper. And I think even though it has some really cool uh, features like the Glyph interface, you know, the, the kind of R2-D2 thing on the back. What is that? that, that d- describe that. That because that's the thing that makes you go super excited when you just hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. That's what uh, cuts the noise, and uh, that's uh, you can basically depending on who calls you or who texts you. There's a LED light on the back of the phone that will light up, and it makes like really cool. You can kind of like teenage engineering sounds. I play it here mm. for you to for the listeners to hear. <laughs> this is so tech nerdy. I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's basically, it's like your own little R2-D2 in your pocket that speaks to you, kind of wants you to reach down or your BB-8 or whatever mm. Star Wars uh, droid you want to use. But the one thing that I can say is, if I'm being honest, the camera compared to the iPhone, not good enough. Doesn't hold up because, oh, really? oh, you know, nothing is saying. They're like, oh, we have the um, we have the macro lens. You can get really close. Think about smartphone cameras and the macro lens whoever actually uses those they're great in the presentation when they're doing like macro shots of like flowers and backlit Mm. raindrops on leaves i never take those pictures i take pictures of like a a waiter holding a wine bottle to me ah sorry i'm gonna stop you eric all right this is where i'm using the i use macro i think it's fantastic because i'm a photography nerd and I think the macro uh, lens or the apps offering macro uh, kind of faked macro are is, is is great. And actually, isn't the nothing phone aimed towards the creative industry, creative people? So wouldn't that be like a, a feature that you'd like exactly. as I a think, creator? I, I don't know, but what what kind of pictures do you take with them? Like, when do you actually want to take a close up of? Like, what could it be? It's like I, I take a lot of close-ups all the time. I go into nature taking close-ups <laughs> of raindrops on leaves, actually. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not for me, but okay then. I, I, take, I, I stand corrected. But I always thought, like, why are they showing all these pictures on these presentations? I want to see pictures of, like, you know, if I have a rash on my arm and I want to show my friends, look at the rash I have. That's the kind of picture I want to see at the presentation. I want it to be, like, real I'm- pictures that I see. I'm siding with Eric on this. I also don't know when. When the hell do you need the macro to use it? You want to be well, able to. I take stand corrected, and like you said, Roland, it's uh, if they wanna uh, if they want to reach out to creative people. Maybe I'm not. There's a lot enough. of actually. Uh, there's a lot of creators using the macro features for product photography today. So I'm just saying, you know, okay, uh, right. no names mentioned in the <laughs> podcast, but okay. um, no, but yeah, okay. Anyways, the camera is. Uh, quite okay i might if we're sharing like a video on instagram i'll have some pictures of but like, you know i went to God. the gym we have at our macro office macro haters 
interesting. <laughs> it's just it's obsolete. Also, speaking of the camera, like the first, I thought that the the glyph interface, the LED light on the back, that's kind of a gimmick. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is a way to read through. But there have been some times when I think it actually works, like uh, the flash or the torch, depending if you're British or American, when you're taking pictures, can be quite, the light can be quite, <laughs> can be quite intense, you know, taking a picture of your friend at a restaurant or whatever. So they can, you can use this interface to, if you put it on Max, you can use that as like a ring light, you know, that influencers use, they put on their phone. So wow. at the right lighting or at the right distance, I've actually quite liked this LED. That's interesting. Thing. It looks a bit more, it's a softer light, you know, it's way better than the flashes. Hmm. But, you know, it doesn't really work when it's lighter. It has to be quite dark and it has to be, you know, maximum two meters away. So that's that speaks to a younger that audience. That speaks to, uh, to more like a Gen Z influencer TikTok crowd, sounds like. Yeah, of course, of course. That uh, doesn't know what macro photography is, okay. <laughs> no, no one in that generation shoots nature photos with macro. <laughs> uh, and also, like we said, I, I think just holding it every day and like picking it out of my pocket, it feels, like it looks and feels really nice. Like it's yeah. a teenage, it feels like a teenage engineering product. I've had some teenage engineering uh, speakers. My dad is kind of a technology head once when I grew up. And I think when you touch them and you feel the knobs and you touch all the things, you can kind of, it feels, you know, it feels high tech mm-hmm. and it looks great. What about the software, like, or the design of the OS? Uh, I think this comes to me being so used to Apple. I've, I've been kind of, I've been a bit, you know, frustrated at times. Like how do I actually like lower the, the screen, uh, the screen brightness? Took me like five minutes to get that because I'm not used to it. So, but if in terms of how it looks and how it feels, it's it's their own operating system. It's called Nothing OS. So they have their like uh, their own font integrated into the phone, which looks great. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm a big fan of the red, black, and white uh, color scheme. You know, I'm a big uh, white stripes fan, so I like those three colors together. So that's very nice. But that's very personal for me. But I've also understood that they actually, in this sort of nothing OS, which is a version of Android, it's much more slimmed down. You know, one of the problems with the Android phone when you open it, and even Apple as well, like you get so many apps that you don't ask for. Like you, you open it up and like, oh, we've started five new apps for you. I'm like, I didn't ask for this. I don't <laughs> want this clutter in my phone. And I think one thing they pride themselves on with nothing is that they really just have a more minimalistic approach to what, what, what's inside the phone when you, when you open it. Did you, did you feel that? Exactly. That's exactly what I felt. It was kind of cleaned up. And interesting that you said that for somehow Alphabet were some of the investors. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's on here when I downloaded it was a Google map, a Google right. folder. So that's all that was on there. It's all Google folders. These are the ones that I use every day. I told you about that before. Yeah. Gmail, YouTube, Google Drive, all that stuff, files. So interestingly enough, all the apps that were on there when I first opened it were Google apps. So right up my alley, since I use it. It's super interesting. That's what's kind of weird when you when you try a Samsung phone is that you're kind of both in the Google Android ecosystem and Samsung's ecosystem. They have their own mm. ecosystem of, of you know passwords and apps and stuff like that. So you're kind mm. of in a dual uh, you know twilight zone between these two uh, <laughs> mega corporations. Uh, so you're saying now uh, nothing doubles down on on the Google ecosystem. Uh, they don't have their own from right? from the get go. From when I up first like unlocked the phone, that's what it kind of told me. Hey, here. Here's your Google apps, use them. And right. you know, I'm all I have all my passwords on via Chrome. So I was down I was in every app in like two seconds, you know, all the passwords were automatically mm-hmm. in there and stuff. Um, so this is not a tech gear uh, podcast, but it will be interesting uh, next week when you can compare the Google's Pix- Pixel phone. 
Yeah, uh, I'm thinking about doing a, uh, a kind of a reel review, so Instagram reel where I'm trying it out and trying to picture it and everything. All right, lastly, they have the that. best, and they have the best camera though. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. All right, we're gonna have to wrap this up now, and I'm gonna end by asking the question again: If is it as clear cut? Can nothing bring Apple users to Android? What do you guys think? Is it a hard no, or have you? Is it more nuanced now? What do you say, Roland? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I would say yes. Let's say yes, just for the for the dynamic of the podcast. I think mm. for the people that might not have been tapped into the Apple ecosystem too much, they're maybe like 20 years old. They haven't invested a lot of time and money. Uh, they have 5,000 kroner or $500 uh, over to spare. They might buy this phone because they're not that you know connected to the Apple ecosystem. I think it will work. Super interesting. Nothing uh, founded by uh, a Swedish super entrepreneur called Pay and uh, you know designed by uh, Jesper Kautoft, Teenage Engineering. Don't forget to read our interview with Jesper Kautoft from Issue 3. It's out online now. All right, guys, this has been Episode 2 of Season 4 of Scandinavian Mind Podcast. Uh, I actually got some feedback from our last episode where we talked about TikTok, and um, it has to be said also it was kind of went kind of went viral. <laughs> uh, the 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 reel that we posted was one of our uh, you know most watched reels uh, in in recent history. So it feels like a topic that engages a lot of people. Uh, I got a text from Emma Riedestad, which is the the founder of Warping Media. We've had her on the podcast before, uh, kind of a. Uh, a company that's on the frontier of, of you know new virtual worlds and and that sort of thing, and she uh, mentioned uh, this whole thing about the TikTok algorithm and what it does to sort of the youth. We kind of touched on that in our episode. We didn't go into the the ramifications of the Chinese uh, ownership of of TikTok, and there's a lot of debate right now uh, going around. Uh, around should we even you know should allow TikTok in in sort of Western democracies because of the potential ramifications of having um, the Chinese government uh, having insight into this this company. I don't know, guys. This this feels like a whole separate episode. But uh, do you have any comments on this? Colonial bullshit. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Ah, <laughs> oh, I get so tired. I mean, look at Meta, what they've done for the past 15 years. Right. It's the same shit. It's just from another country. And we mm. happen to be in, in, in the kind of, uh, we, have, we happen to be on the American side, not the Chinese side, you know, in, 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 in how the world is constructed. Mm. That's it. Simple as that. Uh, you know? yeah, and of I course, agree. I'm against, uh, you know, the, the, um, uh, the political system in China. And, I, I, you know, there, there's huge challenges with human rights, uh, privacy, etc. Right. Of course, I'm aware. But at the end of the day... Can you really prove that the TikTok algorithm is more harmful to people than Meta's algorithms? Emma, I love you, but no. All right, we'll we'll we can uh, discuss this at a later episode. But the, there is a huge debate going on. I think the CEO of the media company Axel Springer in in Germany was quoted recently at the Code Conference saying TikTok should be banned in every Western democracy. So it really stirs uh, stirs uh, strong emotions. Yes. All right, guys, we've talked about uh, the new Pixel coming out. We might touch on that uh, in future episodes. Um, what are you guys excited about on, on uh, the week to come? Roland, well, any, you know, I like art. 
you know, I like art, no surprise. <laughs> so I'm going to plug uh, work-related stuff. So in Stockholm, Sweden, we have Split Museum. It's a, it's a museum dedicated to the uh, kind of the history of alcohol. And uh, it was founded by the Absolute Company um, when they were sold to uh, Pernod Ricard. Uh, they donated the whole art collection. 850 original art pieces were donated to Split mm. Museum. Uh, and actually, the history of Absolute Vodka started with Andy Warhol designing, you know, the first piece of art for Absolute exclusively. And then it just continued throughout the 80s, 90s, you know, um, and, and beyond. And there's an exhibition now starting this weekend with 90 uh, selected uh, art pieces from the collection with original Warhol, original herrings, etc. cetera, uh, displayed. And it's actually, even if you don't care about vodka, it's great art, to be honest. All right, good stuff. Uh, I also want to plug uh, you, Eric. You had a wonderful story uh, on ScandinavianMind.com this week about why the design industry is not catering uh, to the world's 3 billion gamers. We actually went into talking about gaming chairs <laughs> and uh, what they mean for, for culture <laughs> and why uh, the design companies of the Nordics are not catering to that, uh, that crowd. I thought that was a wonderful story. We've been talking about it forever about doing this and finally uh, did it. Uh, just a brief comment about that. What, what, uh, what was your insight in doing that story? First, we were making jokes to have like top five gaming chairs to like properly scare <laughs> away all our readers <laughs> to, from the platform. But uh, this was quite interesting. I got to speak to um, me and you one, my colleague. We got to speak to uh, Made by Choice founder Niklas Alström. Is that his name? I'm not sure. Yeah. And uh, Levi Di Marco, the head of brand and communication at HEM. And they were kind of, you know, they're part of two very niche and like uh, exclusive design brands. It's not uh, IKEA stuff. But they were talking about, yeah, we have to change. We're so far, far behind fashion. We're so far behind entertainment. We're so far behind music. And we need to make gaming stuff. So read about it. It's, uh, it's interesting. All right. Wonderful. This has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter not to miss out on any upcoming talks or events or content that comes out of the Scandinavian Mind content machine. Uh, guys, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy your weekend and see you next week. See you. Take care.